Alright, normally I'd have a cool intro for you, but my mouth tastes weird because I've been taking these smoothies, which are supposed to be delicious and good for you, and it turns out they're only one of those things. But the good news is, I've always taken one vitamin type smoothie every day. Now I have two different ones, and one tastes better than the other, so I'm chasing the one nasty one, which I'll probably give up on, but I bought 30 days worth in advance, what are you gonna do, with the better tasting one. Moral of the story, don't let anyone tell you you can't learn anything useful in a bar. Chasers are important in life. Take that. Anywho, I'm Don Johnson. Welcome to The Link Podcast. Used to be hosted by Mike. He's on hiatus. What is Don Johnson from? Oh, Miami Vice. And he was in Knives Out. All right. Anyway, cool app for you today. A little while back, I was at a party for my friends the Cataldos, just as Italian as it sounds, just as awesome. And I saw my friend Gio there, who I hadn't seen in a while. We just got to talking. And then a half hour later, we realized we were talking deep into sports cards and the trend that's going on. He's been buying and selling them. He's got his own eBay store. I'll plug it in the description. And I had to say to him, dude, I'm loving this conversation, but I want to save it and let's do the rest on the pod. And we did. I've always been interested in cards, baseball, Pokemon, whatever. And then as I got older, I lost touch with it, which is natural. People seem to do that. And then during the Pandy Wandy, I saw that the trading card biz started to explode. So I kept some tabs on it. Then when I had some extra cashola lying around, I started to invest a little bit. And I actually started, well, you'll hear it in a second. But before that, follow me on social at the link underscore podcast. Email me, email the link podcast at gmail.com. Rate me, not the Nirvana song, hard T. And uh, generally spread the word. Speaking of the Cataldos, I got a text from my buddy Vito, another member of that amazing family, telling me he's enjoying the pod and to keep it up. And honestly, I just love that kind of stuff. It makes my day because I do have fun doing this, but I also put time and effort into it. So just knowing that people listen is really enough. But send some likes on the social media, would you? All right, episode time. Fire up the beats. Let's hit it. It's hard to know where to start because we just basically recorded 20 minutes of a podcast without ever turning on the microphones, Absolutely. which is great. Yeah, yeah. But I want to walk you and the audience, I guess, through how I got back into this. Absolutely. I was never really into it, I guess, but everyone was into like Pokemon cards as a kid. Huge, huge into Pokemon cards. Yeah. It's how everybody started. Exactly. And so I found a binder and I'm flipping through it. And one of my buddies is like, you should check out what some of these cards are. And I went on... FaceTime with him and he's like bro you have a a shadowless Charizard that's a real card that's worth some money you should take that out and put it in the right cases and 100%. you know deal with this yeah so I'm like oh okay and I'm flipping through and there's more I had more shadowless ones and I have some first editions and I have some like there's some shit in there and thanks to my mom who made me put them in binders back in the day and get plastic sleeves I Thank mean she, you mama bears right? everywhere she Absolutely. is the best I don't know how she knew but she mm -hmm. knew so they stayed in pretty good condition. And then I got my hopes up. I'm like, it's a 10. I'm going to buy a house. This is great. You definitely could with a Shadowless. Dude, a Shadowless PSA Charizard PSA 10 is like, I see them on eBay for a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. It's not even first first edition. First edition, you could absolutely You can't buy. even buy the first editions. They, no. they, people don't sell them. No. It makes no sense to. I guess. I saw, I think there's one on eBay for like half a million dollars or something. Which is insane. Even for the buyer and the seller. Right. And the right. reason why is it's, I heard this uh, quote once, Charizard can't tear his ACL. <laughs> it's, it's that simple. I love that. He will always last the test of time. That's true. Like all these players that we're buying now. For sports cards. For sports cards, yeah. Every type of sports cards, no matter what the sport is. Is always a risk. Yeah. Look at Ansu Fanti. Ansu Fanti, huge player for Barcelona. 
Kid's what, 19, 20 years old? Big phenom soccer. His cards were literally $1,000 for his Sapphire Chrome cards. Insane. The the guy has torn his ACL two years back to back. And then it's just over. Now what? Now are you still going to spend $1,000? No. I would imagine that the prices have plummeted since then. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a stock market. Yeah. That's what I like about the sports angle, but Pokemon got me back into it. So I figured out the grading process. I sent it in. I got it back. It's a seven, which is cool. Yeah. It's good. I'll take those. It's fine. It like shattered my dreams a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's still worth probably a couple hundred at the very least, maybe a thousand bucks. Easy. Yeah. Which is cool. Uh, don't rob me. But <laughs> no. <I don't>. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, yeah, so that got me like really curious about the sports thing because I'm a sports guy. Mike the Mush Sports Show. Follow it on YouTube. You'll hear the ad later. You get it. But. The sports angle, like you're saying, is just so different because there's this whole other layer of evaluating the player as their career goes on and or buying players that are retired or whatever it is. 100%. I feel like the sports card, like you said before, it is a stock market. Yeah. It's a, it's like right now, more than ever, it's like the wild, wild west, especially with pricing. You know, you could look at Zion for a perfect example. As soon as Mosaic came out, what was it, two years ago Mosaic first came out? And Mosaic was like a like a big big deal, and um, some guy put like a wanted ad out for like his like one of one like black prism whatever the case was like yeah. five hundred thousand dollars or like four hundred thousand dollars something absolutely asinine for a guy who who hasn't even dribbled the ball <laughs> on an point. NBA court yet. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm not saying his talent wasn't there. The guy is a phenom. <laughs> and now he's been hurt a million times. But anyway, I'm cutting you yeah. off. No, no, it's the guy's three hundred and forty pounds. The guy, the guy <laughs> yeah. is the guy's massive. He's yeah, already a, a big problem. dude on top of it. And now you just gave him millions of dollars and unlimited diet. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen to to someone like that? Remember when the Knicks drafted Mike Sweetney and he ate himself out of the league? Literally, guy, the guy was huge. <laughs> someone out there was holding a Mike Sweetney rookie card. Like, uh, this is it. This is it. This <laughs> this is going to pay one of my kids' tuition one of these days. Yeah, for no, real. It's, it's going to. You probably paid more for it than you should have. Yeah, dude. But that's what intrigues me about the sports angle, right? And so we'll get back to that. Yes. So. But uncovering this whole world. And I only uncovered it, I don't remember when I saw you last at Cataldo's party. I guess it was maybe a couple months ago, whatever it was. And we were talking about it then. And at that point after our conversation was when I was really like, I should buy some. And then I got this new job and I had some extra money laying around and I started doing it. And I realized that I probably just barely missed the really cool peak (laughs) during the pandemic, unfortunately. Is that when you got into it or were you already into it before then? I've always been a collector. Always been a collector since, shoot, seven, eight years old with the Pokemon. Right. I got big into it in my, I'd say, like, senior year of high school. Yeah. Maybe, like, the early years of college every now and then because I had a job. So I was able to spend, like, you know, growing up, my parents would give me, like, an allowance. Like, right. oh, here's $20, $25 for every two weeks. You go to Tri-County. Exactly. My dad cards. would take me. And then, you know, I would see this guy, Rick, and he yeah, would always dude. take care of me. And I always find, like, uh, game used cards back then. It was, like, the big deal. And, um, you know, life hit me. So I stopped collecting. I just, you forget. And um, I'd say two and a half years ago, I was in Target for something completely different. I'm, I'm just going down the, the aisles and I see a optic pack. Uh-huh. It was an f- optic fat pack. And it was in the clearance section. But it had Zion on the cover. I was uh-huh. like, wait a second. I'm like, this is Zion's rookie year. I'm like, this is $2. I'm like. You could just grab that? Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm like, I literally, I spend more money on a coffee on a daily basis. Right. I'm like. F it. Let's do it. Give it a whirl. Yeah. So I bought that, and I bought a NASCAR Prism uh. Uh, blaster box for seven ninety nine on on clearance. Okay. 
So I walked out spending like $12. Right. Go to my cousin's house and I have to open it. So I open them. I open up the optic fat pack first and the optic fat pack gives me a Zion optic rated rookie. Wow. And my heart started pounding. I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, this is that's great. This is awesome. I'm like, like, I literally just paid $2 for this. Give me a soft case. Give me a hard case. Let's rock and roll. Locked and loaded. Sent it to PSA. I actually just got it back last week. Oh, so you did get it graded. Yeah, I got it graded. PSA 9. Nice. That's good. It's not bad. You know, I'll take it. But it was the NASCAR that got me back into it somehow. Ah. Believe it or not. Wow. Do you follow NASCAR? No. You just bought it because it was on clearance. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't buy it. $8. I was like, I have that mentality. Like, if I spend more on breakfast, I'm like, what do I have to do? Then what's the difference, right? I'm I'm with you. It's just once. Yeah. You know, I don't give it a whirl. And it ended up getting you back into this. So it worked out. Best $8 you ever spent. It really was. Because it was this individual named Haley Deegan, Mm -hmm. who's a NASCAR driver. And she was a rookie, apparently, a couple years ago. And I got her orange optic rated rookie. Wow. And I'm like, oh, what is this? This is this orange. It's like refractor. I'm like, this looks cool. Yeah. And Pat's like, yo, this is my, my cousin, Pat. He's like, this is this is a big card. You, know, you should probably get that checked out. Long story short, I ended up selling that card for like $86 on eBay. And, and it was like an $8 pack. And I'm like, holy cow. I just. You see the light bulbs turning on above your head. The gear started going. I'm like, this is with NASCAR. Right. And I'm like, granted, I, I, didn't, I haven't bought a, a NASCAR box since. I mean, I should, <laughs> but I haven't. <laughs> but it got me thinking. I'm like, this is good. I'm like, because now. Now you're chasing that dragon. Right. You know, now now you want the numbered Zion. Now you want the numbered Jaw. You get into it so fast, dude. After our conversation that we had, which was not as deep as this one already. Yeah. Because I didn't really know anything. Mm-hmm. And then once you dive into it, you figure out, all right, well, there's a lot of different kinds. There's a lot of different brands. And then with it's like cars. Oh, there's yeah. Nissans, and then there's different types of Nissans, which I can't think of right now, but I'll probably edit in later. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, you have Sentras and you have Ultimas. There it is. There's a reason Rogue. why someone wants a Rogue that's an SUV compared to a Sentra that's, exactly. a, that's a sedan. Perfect. You know, well said. Want? Yeah. So once I got through that, it really started to get the gears turning of like, this, this world is just so big. Again, with Pokemon, at least... For the OG sets, I haven't followed it in a long time, so there are new sets that I'm not as comfortable talking about, but they don't change, like you said. And there aren't a million different variations. For sports, it's so much harder to understand what the value of an individual card is because of all those different types of things. We'll get back to that. Yes, that's a a big iceberg that you're poking at. Yeah, we'll get back to that, I promise. Mm -hmm. But the pandemic... Why do you think it spiked so big? I think this was always like a sleeping giant. I feel like collectibles were always a thing, but then all of a sudden it was everywhere and the numbers were going up fucking two, four, five, ten X. Of course. Personally, I think a lot of people, you know, lost their jobs during the pandemic. Yeah. You know, I did. Same. A lot of people did. One of the biggest things that people were doing is like the the markup on these boxes, it's criminal. Yeah. On the third market, at least. Right. And, you know, like, I, I do it. You know what I mean? Of course. It's, it, it, but it's a living because if I don't game. do it, it is the game. If I don't do it, guess what? Timmy and his father are going to do it as well. Yeah. It's how do you feel about that? It's it sucks. It yeah. sucks, but it's good. But it's a living. I know. It's it's a weird thing. I feel the same way about uh, sports tickets. Yeah. It's a similar deal. Yeah. One of my friends who I won't call out currently, but you know him buys a lot of tickets and he'll know it as soon as he listens to this as well and he sells them for a lot more and he makes a lot of money and i do it too i, I have yeah. tickets that i sell i'm not i'm not saying only other people do it but uh but what's wrong with that 
my conscience feels as though it's not great because you're making someone pay more at this fabricated rate. But you put the work. See, I had, I'm with you. I'm with you because I'm like, you know something? I'm buying this box for 19.99. It's going to be 21.72 after tax. Yeah. But I'm going to end up selling it to this card shop for forty dollars or forty-five dollars. Right. So I'll make double. But then that card shop is going to sell it for sixty-five. I think it's fine. Like I'm not. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm not saying like there's a more. I mean, there's much worse moral shit out there. I don't. One hundred percent. This, but also uh, you gotta have a code. There, there's something to it that feels a little weird. That's all. But the game of it is identifying something that will increase in value, yeah. and that you can then sell for more. That is the whole thing. It's so it's no different than the stock market in that sense. Yeah. But that really big spike is what intrigues me and weirds me out. Is because like there's nothing real about it. It's not a sp- supply and demand thing. I guess it is because the demand went up yeah. and the supply stayed the same. So I guess it literally is. But nothing changed about the cards in that time. But that time changed the cards now. How so? So, for instance, look at Tops, uh, 2022 Top Series 1. Just released less than two weeks ago. Okay. So, like, I just saw your your slabs before and you yeah. had a Wando Franco in there. Yeah. You had a, a, I think it was either 2020 or 2021 Bowman Best. Yep. So, back then... How many, like, how many they put in production was a lot less compared to now. Everyone's going nuts for Juan DeFranco Series 1 because it's the Gold Cup. This is, like, his first rookie card. Yeah. So the Silver Refractors are going absolutely bonkers. But then people started realizing that like, someone put the numbers together, and Topps is releasing 106,000 hobby boxes. Right. Because Just they hobby. realized how much the demand is, and they yeah. want to make more money. So now, break that down even more, at 106,000 hobby boxes... And how many cards they have with their megas, with their blasters, with their cellos, with every type of with every type of merchandise they do provide, they were able to do the odds of per player mm-hmm. for the series. So you're getting 106,000 cards per player, or whatever it was, as right. a six-figure number per player. So now, even if you do have a phenom, there's so many out there. That the market is saturated. It's insanity. It's so saturated, and it started. My, in my opinion, I think it started with Prism two years ago, three years ago. Because that 2018 prison box, the NBA prison box, was holding strong at $1,000. That box was like, you know, that jaw, that Zion year, that box was was it. Yeah. And then the next year, Panini made even more prism. Right. Those boxes don't nearly hold a candle compared to the, the Zion year because of the amount that were made. The supply definitely impacts everything. Everything. But also it's all relative, right? So. There's more people in it now. Right. So you're going to need more cards. And there's more awareness. But the question, I guess, or the devil on the shoulder is, I just bought that Wander Franco card because I think he's going to be a great player and I think it will go up exponentially in value in 20 years. Yes. However, A, I don't know how that impacts if you're buying and selling like you are more often than I am. I'm just buying and holding. Mm -hmm. And B, having more cards out there, is it ever going to be a situation where the Wander Franco rookie card is like the Charizard first edition because there aren't that many of them available. But now that people know about this craze more than they did before, is it ever going to have that spike in value? Because everyone is aware that when they get this card, you got to make sure it's in good condition. You got to go get it graded. You got to put it in a safe or some shit. I don't know if there'll ever be that jump because with Pokemon, it was like, well, people didn't know back then to do this. Yeah. And that's why the supply is so low. So I don't even know if it's about how many they make as opposed to people's knowledge being so much better now of taking care of the cards and getting them graded I, you bring up a 
a fantastic point. I, I do believe that more people now compared, you know, because a lot more people are people our age a little bit. We've had experience with the cards. We've we've, right. we've done the good and the bad and yeah. the trading, the playing. We, we've done everything. And the next generation won't even have to do it because they'll Google what to do and it's all out there because Or, or look at have... Breakers online, look at YouTube. Exactly. You know, you have all these people. Jake spending... Paul was as big for anybody or Logan Paul yeah. was as big for anybody about this craze. He, during the pandemic, that's arguably what really made it shoot up was him on YouTube breaking Pokemon boxes. Yeah. He walked out with a million dollar Charizard card on his Around neck his neck. When yeah. he fought Floyd Mayweather. Exactly. So you, Which is sick. You're fighting the most accomplished boxer arguably in history. Yep. Not of all, like literally in history. Yeah, I understand. My, uh, like, I'm not saying he's the best boxer so please don't you know, crucify <laughs> me on this. I'm yeah. not saying that. But when you have an undefeated boxer and you look back in history. He's up there, yeah. You're going to see it. And this guy, this kid, literally walked out with a freaking Charizard first edition shadowless hollow. You know what I loved thing. about that? I think those brothers, this is a whole side tangent, but I think it's interesting, mm-hmm. are way smarter than anyone is giving them credit for. Because he clocked that Money Mayweather is always doing shit like that with chains and he's showing off his money. It's what he does. You see the gifts of him just making it rain with cash. And so Logan Paul was like, oh, I'm going to do that exact thing. But you're not even going to understand how much I'm showing off right now. Most people are like, he's wearing a Pokemon card. Who gives a shit? And then people like us are like, Jesus Christ, he needs security for how much he's wearing. (laughs) That's easily walking around with a million dollars. Easy. It's crazy. Easy. Right. Everyone's like, no, it's impossible. (laughs) Why is it impossible? It's It's not impossible. It's a materialistic item. I bring up this argument. Sorry, I'm going to be like a little tangent right now. No, please. You got me going. What does jewelry do for you? Like my watch, what does it do for me? It's just materialistic items. Sure, it's the same. Like so, people can can always buy jewelry. They could always buy their gold, their silver. You know, yeah, yeah obviously, it could have some value. But in the sense, what it's does it do for you? Perceived value. Yeah, it's perceived exactly. Right. Right now, the perceived value on these cards are are skyrocketing. They are. And I'm gonna ride that wave until I can't ride that wave no more. And I respect it. And this is a good time to. You have a site where you're selling these, or are you doing it on eBay? On eBay, but I, I like the. I'm old school. I like the. The face-to-face, I go to shows and okay. stuff like that. My cousins are more into the whole social media aspect. It's Do you have, like, a company name? CFG Collectibles. CFG Collectibles. Yeah, so cards from Geo or collectibles from Geo. Nice. I like that. Yeah. That's cool. You're buying and selling. You're doing the more of a day trading kind of equivalent, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Other than this little stack right here that I have in front of you, every other slab I have, I don't care for I could say, I'm not holding anything. It could be a job. I have a Hank Aaron. When you say you don't care for, you mean you don't have an emotional attachment to no. them? No. On just, to the next. It's just a sell on an Excel spreadsheet. Other than this right, right. here. Like, so these, these are the ones that are yours that you yeah, like. Yeah, I like these guys. You know, these are my, these are my I players. I respect that. These are my teams. You know. You wouldn't sell these? No. What if you got a crazy offer for that Kobe card? I mean, I Everyone did. Everyone has a price, I guess. I got, I got rid of a 101 Kobe. Did you? Wow. I got rid of a 101 Kobe four months ago wow um price was just too good yeah yeah i hear yeah you. i got i got a florian Wurtz out of it is this like soccer phenom oh so you're doing a lot of trading too yeah most of these cards that i got here or have been from trades everything has been like it's just such a whole new avenue with trading it's interesting especially the, the trading makes me think of this because i've seen some people do trading for not only just cross trading of like sports for pokemon or something that exists but even collectibles in general are just becoming bigger i don't even think it's just sport cards no it's everything. i think it's it's the nfts i started looking up some comic books that they're doing grading for oh yeah and have been actually before sports cards i think i think comics were like 
sooner, if anything. CSG has been grading comics a long, long time. Long time, yeah. Uh, I used CGC for my yes. initial Pokemon grading cards, yeah. and they're a comic company. But I wonder, are you a believer in NFTs? It's funny that you say that. Absolutely. You are. So I, A lot of people shit on it, and they're like, I don't understand. This is nothing. It's a screenshot on a computer. I'm not saying I agree with that, but I'm curious of your opinion. So I teach technology. Okay. So like, I just got offered this job, and I ran with it, and I, I love it. Congrats. Thank you, brother. One of the cool things is teaching technology, especially at a middle school level, I have a little bit more freedom with my curriculum because I'm creating it. Yeah. So it's funny that you said NFTs because I've been monitoring it as well, and I think it's just been absolutely insane with I mean, that world, what's going on. We talked about 10x with card values. NFTs are like, I can't even put a number on it. Some values of them are so I can't even comprehend yet. Yeah. Like, honestly, no idea. Like, I'm trying to, I'm actually going tomorrow to like an NFT thing to talk about it. But um, I went to my principal and I was like, I had to teach about Google Classroom. And I was like, guys, rather than teaching about Google Class, I'm like, I'm going to have my kids create NFTs using Google Slides wow. and using all the applications on Google Slides Clever. and have them do like digital art. I'm like, obviously, I'll teach them about like, you know, you could sell them, but it's And more... they're learning the process as they do it. Absolutely. That's good stuff. So we did like a digital art NFT uh, museum at school. Wow. But it's funny that, you know, you know, some people did shit on it originally. They're like, you know, of like, what's the point that you're doing this? And, and to me, what I say is because we don't understand something right now, what gives us the right to say anything? Yes, we, we are entitled to our opinion. And yeah, you can have your opinion, whether it be positive or negative. Go for it. Yeah. However, don't shit on my parade. Because I don't see that cap, and I think there is something here. So let's let's just let's just pull in some strings and see where we can go. I admire that opinion. I want to share it. I haven't yet bought an NFT. Not yet. Have you? No. No. Okay. So you're in similar phase as me yeah. of like I'm intrigued. I think this can be real because in reality we're talking about this sports card craze, and these cards are worth money whether you like it or not. They yeah. are, and this is so. Real money. NFTs are kind of the same way. I can see that same argument of like, well, the only difference is that I can't hold it in my hands, which for some people is too much to overcome. And I understand that. But people felt the same way about the cell phone not being attached to the wall. And then all of a sudden it didn't matter anymore. Look at us now. And so I don't know if it will happen, but I can see a world where we go more digital and more digital. And they're trying to come up with this metaverse or whatever the fuck it's called. That's what and, it is. Metaverse. And, and, and I'm working remotely and I don't ever go to the office, and I can see a world where you want a digital version of this Juan Soto rookie card. And NFTs are exactly how you would get that, and also, they're not limited by anything, really. No. It's the Wild West, like, beginning of the Wild West. And so, I think anyone getting into them doesn't necessarily, like, everyone wants them to explain, well, why is this definitely going to make money? Like, what is it? And to me, it's like, you don't need the answer. No. You just need to know that there's potential there. Look at Bitcoin. Look at Bitcoin. You still can't explain it. No, no one has any idea. They could sit here, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Right. You, you are talking right out of your ass. Right. Let's get real, man. Yeah. I, seriously, like I'm not trying to offend any anybody out there, but let's get real. Like, no one knows. You're buying into it in hopes that it's going to go up in price because right. of what you've been reading and continue to read from whatever sources that you believe in. Sure. And now here are other sources you know, saying NFTs is this new thing. So there's going to be like a little crossroads, in my opinion. There's going to be the people that believe in them and people that don't. Right. And the people that do believe in them, there is a potential 
there is a, a small, small chance, but there's still potential that a little investment now, granted, it's probably going to be a couple thousand dollars, but still a couple thousand dollars yeah, now. It's not little anymore. Same thing. I wonder if we missed the boat on them, but continue. We, I, I, I think I think that ship has sailed. Maybe. I think like everything's a wave. Right. I think that it's the same thing we talked about, I think, before we got on the mics of how I acknowledge that the John Morant card that I bought is probably too high of value right now, but I still think it's going up. It's so what is up. really the difference? It's like right here in that wave. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, you, you still it hasn't still crested hope. yet. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you, we're still good. People could have said the same thing about Bitcoin. And then all of a sudden, whatever year it was where it had that insane spike for no real reason. Nothing. If you were in there for that. You're probably having a good time, and you don't give a fuck why it's yeah. popular or what the... You're listening to us right now on your yacht, you know, you're just laying back, you're like, you're <laughs> right. looking at the sun, at the fish, and here we are. In five years, someone's going to listen to this, like, these idiots didn't know anything, but they knew enough to buy into it, so that's cool. <laughs> they knew about that NFT, they knew yeah. about that zombie NFT. And to me, NFT. it's like, you know what, if you lose a couple bucks trying a thing that you think might go off... That's fine. As long as you're not going absolutely insane, everything in moderation. Exactly. I think it's worth, even if it's pure hype, you can capitalize on the hype itself. Absolutely. In my realm, I could either decide, let's say, like, the next time I want to buy. Like, you, you know, usually, like, there's a time to buy, like, every, like, few months. You're like, okay, I'm going to buy, like, a hobby box or two. I'm going to get this or that. What's to say that it wouldn't be an intelligent idea that rather than getting a hobby box or getting the profits from the cards, get an NFT from that. And then using that for, like, an NBA Top Shot NFT. That's where I get lost in this, because NFTs by design are limited. So are cards. But if you can all of a sudden just make an NFT out of anything, it becomes hard to track the value. Of course. But everything is an NFT already. I know. <laughs> it's a weird... It's a slippery, slippery slope. It is. So you gotta Because find... if you oversaturate everything, then the whole thing collapses. It's a house of cards. And that's what all the doubters are saying. Yeah. But you could, I guess, say that about the sports card argument that we just talked about. Of like, well, now they're making a million of these Vlad Guerrero rookies. Are they still popular? Yeah. I don't know, but... 106,000 hobby boxes. That's a lot. It means every hobby shop is going to have, you know, two, three cases. It is year. a lot. But the, the thing that I think is different about NFTs and sports cards, which makes me intrigued more about sports cards for now is the condition of the cards. NFTs, yeah, in the theory, will never degrade. No, but the value of the NFTs are going to depend on the number that you get. Sure. So what number did it get minted, or what number is it on the line? So if it's the closest to one... But that's such a direct correlation. Whereas with cards, there's so many ways a card could get fucked up. Oh, yeah. The, the card, there's... Oh, my God. Right. So that so that oh my God. adds to the scarcity. I don't know if there are any factors, there may be, that I'm not thinking of, that add to the scarcity of the NFT, right? Once it's on oh, my I computer, yes, 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 it's yes. already there. I agree. And any value is totally just fugazi. It's yeah. all perceived. With sports cards, at least there's something that is not perceived about it. The condition is not arguable. But... That seems missing from the... I don't want to go down the NFT route so much, but the grading process of it intrigues me because, and we'll talk about this more on the other side of the break, there is a massive, massive difference in what a card is worth ungraded versus what it's worth graded. And for the people that don't understand what the difference is, I'll post some pictures at the link underscore podcast of both styles. An ungraded card is how you pull it out of the pack, yep. and some people might put it in a soft sleeve or a hard case Please. or both probably. Yep. And a graded card is then sent to a company who specializes in doing these gradings. Mm -hmm. They meticulously go over it with a magnifying glass, for lack of a better understanding of how they actually do it. And they put it in a hard case, which is not openable, and has the grade on it. 
And that is a little bit of a process to get that done. You need to package it really well. They're very specific about how they want it. Yep. You have to put it in a box. You have to ship it there. It's a whole, it's very scary in my opinion. It's terrifying. And you get them back and it immediately increases in value. Almost the opposite of how a car, as soon as you drive it off the lot, is down in value. Getting it graded automatically increases it. Yep. Where are you on whether that will remain a thing? Do you think it's worth grading cards immediately? Do you think you should leave them ungraded? And since you're buying and selling, have you noticed a huge difference in the graded versus ungraded cards? Huge. If you want to be somewhat successful, you have to deal with graded cards. Yeah. You're not going to, I mean, you'll make money selling raw and it'll make sense for certain situations to sell a card like raw, which is not graded, you know, straight from a pack. Is that kind of situation where you think it's not as good as the price? Like you think it's not a 10, so you sell it? Wrong. Yeah, exactly. Like right. if it's not centered, why are you going to spend? Especially with the way the pricing of the cards is now. Yeah. You know, it's not two years ago where it's fifteen dollars a sports card, ten dollars a Pokemon card. Right. You know, now you're going to be spending one hundred and fifty dollars express Easily. for PSA or thirty dollars for SGC. Yeah, the grading companies are actually making out like bandits. It is disgusting what they're doing right now. I can't imagine how much money they're making because they are just tripling their prices because they know the demand is there was, so high. There was 11 million cards of PSA. It's insane. But for people that don't understand, it's scaled on a 0 to 10 level. Yep. 10s uh, are what you want, obviously. That means the card is pristine, and they grade them in four categories. Centering, uh, surfacing. Edges. Edges. And corner. Corners, right. And they have different styles of grading, but the best style is getting it subgraded which means you get a grade for each of those four categories and if you get a 10 in all of them and have a 10 overall which you obviously would if you have a 10 in each subcategory then all of a sudden your card is like the elite of the elite hard to come by and it's not because of damage you pull them out of the pack and they're not a 10 like they're printed not a 10 absolutely right so there's some i guess luck or identifying of the cards at least but when I am buying, and I'm new to this, I have been buying 10s. Because to me, I'm on a, I'm looking at this as a long-term investment. You might be a little different because you're buying and selling more often, so this is a, just a natural difference in opinion. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like, well, in 20 years, is anyone going to give a shit about the 9? Since there's so many of them, I think people might only strive for the 10. That doesn't mean the 9 isn't worth anything. Of course. It just means that the 10 is what I want to buy for now. It also depends the card. Depends the card and depends the population report. So every card, it, it really goes by like an individual basis. Okay. So a lot of the big things that we see at shows or that we ask. So when I got this Kobe, it's PSA right. 5. Before we went on the air, for people that don't know, we were talking about this cool Kobe card that Gio brought over that it looks like a bicycle deck of cards, yeah. except Kobe is printed over it. It's dope. It's really cool. It, it, it's a beauty. It's a beautiful, beautiful card that it came out in 2007 by Upper Deck. And they gave it to fans, you know, as like a promotion. Right. And, you know, these things are not, they're not printed anymore. You can't, It's impossible. Limited to get run. Th- exactly. It's a limited run. So for this, the population report's only 27. Graded. So there's only 27 cards graded of that card. Exactly. So why do I care if it's a five? Right. So you got a PSA five. Yeah. Which is, in theory, half as good as a PSA 10. It's not the best. I mean, it goes up exponentially. So that half is a really stupid thing to say. But still, you understand it's not the best. But your point, I guess, is that if it's scarce, who cares? Exactly. Now, yes, there's 26 other cards like this. Some are graded better, so the value is going to be there. But there's still going to be collectors that just want the card. Right. There's a collector for every avenue of card. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to have your PSA 10 guys that only want to deal with 10s, and that is fine. 
that is completely okay because they know what they're dealing with. You know, people that are just collectors that are just going to want the things that they want, the teams that they want, you know, or maybe the player that they want, and right. that's cool too. And then you're going to have the people that just want deals. PSA 9s, in my opinion, are those deals. Do where, you think you're the third person? I think I'm a mixture of all three of them. Because you, yeah, you're an interesting case because you love this thing and also it. you're treating it as a business. Everything. Is so that like, hard for you to deal with the difference between those two things? Absolutely. Like I had a, a Payne Manning quad patch auto 2021 Panini one card encased six out of seven. Beautiful card. Yeah. It was arguably the biggest card I ever held in my hands wow. in my collection. I traded for it months ago. Part of me wanted it. I'm like, this is Payne Manning. I'm like, there's only you want to just keep it. Yeah. Right. Like, there's only seven of these. It's a quad patch. It's an auto. It's him in a Broncos uniform. Like this is this is it. Like this yeah. is the one I want. And then I'm thinking is, well, if I can get six, seven hundred bucks, it's going to boost your margins on the business side. Everything else, an insane amount. And you kind of are probably waiting for those big margin boosts. If you're treating this like a business, you gotta. You need to have some of those hard hitters in there, or else you're never going to make any money. Exactly. So, like, what am I in this for? Like, I know. You know, I'm not getting any younger. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm like you said. I'm treating this as a business. So I was like, yeah, this sucks, but adios. The psyche of it intrigues me a lot because it, I don't treat it as a business because I don't have that avenue. I just haven't and it's a credit to you that you built it that way and you are doing this daily and it's cool it's insane but i would be scared of what it would do to me emotionally <laughs> oh yeah like you know? there's certain cards like i just got back i had a psa order go out last february i sent out 73 cards okay and i just got back my first 25 and i'm waiting for my next 25 in the next three weeks yeah they're coming in if that boom didn't happen with psa and they didn't get those 11 million cards i would have gotten those 50 sports cards Right. Back a lot faster yeah, than what I yeah, got sure. right now. Now, in those 50 sports cards, I have 11 Joe Burrows in there. Oh. And I also have four oh, yeah. Zions in must there. must have been really rooting for the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. I, oh, yeah. I love Burrow. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big Burrow guy since LSU. Yeah, yeah, I he's loved him. I, he's a, he, he is. I bought that Stafford card because I thought the Rams were going to win the Super Bowl. That was a great buy, though, yeah. because now I bet it you that card's out. even more. Yeah. So I was always sold on this guy. So I was like, you know something? I believe in him. Yeah. So I got the parallels, the refractors, and I sent those guys out. Take them. I want them graded. Right. If those guys came back when they were supposed to come back, I would have lost so much money. I still would have made money compared to the fifteen dollars and plus the the money that I cost to, to to open the boxes. Right. But I would have lost so much money compared to what they're graded right now. Because he went on that Super Bowl run. Yeah. So you think you would have sold them right away? One hundred percent. Because that's crazy. There's yeah. no number. The only thing that I'm keeping, is especially, especially if it's a player that I that I believe in. Or if it's anyone that I think is going to be a phenom or is going to make me, like, that's the guy. Those are the only things I'm buying, so I hear you. Is numbered cards. I don't care about your base. I don't care about your refractors. I don't care about your auto. I don't care about anything. The only thing I care about is numbered. The limited supply. Because that tells me there's only 99 of these. Now, the odds of all 99 getting ripped is going to be extremely hard as it is. Now, you would what have to... What do you to, mean by that? So, like, let's say if this card is numbered at... This card is numbered out of 50. Okay. This PSA Pete Alonzo rookie card. Oh, nice. This is a cool card. It's a, a short print. I'll post a picture of it at the link. It's a be beautiful card, but it's it number one card. out of 50. I see that. So there's only 50 of those. Now, the way Topps is going to do it is Topps is going to separate all 50 cards into every single hobby, blaster. Yeah. But the odds of every single hobby and blaster and mega getting ripped is insane. It's crazy because someone's always going to hold. There's always going to be an, a chance of getting that numbered card or getting a player of, of a numbered variant. Yeah. Now, obviously, yeah, you could obviously get 
the smaller the number, the one out of ones, the one out of fives, the tens. Right, th- that's those are better get than one out of a thousand, of course. Of course, but those are the only things that, like, if I get, if I get a Joe Burrow, like those eleven that I get, yeah, I love Joe Burrow. I think the guy's awesome. But guess what? Those eleven, I'm gonna flip because I'm gonna put. Even if I get, have a chance to grab that profit of all eleven cards and put it into a number Joe Burrow card, then I'll hold that number card. Oh, okay. I'm not going to hold the base card because the base card right now is going to be selling for $100, $150, let's but say. But don't you have to run kind of a calculation of like how much is this one going to increase versus how much is that one going to increase? Absolutely. consolidate a couple different cards. Then we go back to the population reports that we were talking about mm-hmm. before. How many hobby boxes are you making? How many of those cards do you have? So you are thinking a step ahead. You're like, I understand that this craze is booming. It's huge But right what now. people don't understand is... Even myself, which I'll use this as knowledge, when I buy a Vlad Guerrero rookie card, that's cool and all, but there might be a lot of them. There's if always I going buy to be a numbered one. kind, there is no doubt that that will increase in value because the scarcity is so high. That's it, yeah. There's uh, always going to be another PSA 10 base right. rookie card. Always. There's going to be not even just one. There's going to be thousands. Perfect example. Look at Luka Doncic. Guy's a phenom. Yeah. Who wouldn't want their rookie card? Right. I don't. I don't want his prison rookie card. Don't tell Sal Panaccio that. Our next guest, by the way, he's going to be on next no, week. I, I have plenty of choice words, but I will not. <laughs> I, I will be as kind as possible to Mr. <laughs> yeah, Panaccio. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that I don't want Luka Doncic rookie card because I would love one. But guess what? I don't want his prism because there's over 28, 29,000 PSA 10s. That has already hit the, the limit. It's already hit the cap. The cap is going to be more on a numbered card because now you're dealing with a set number of people that are deciding. Compared to a base card, like, why do I care about a PSA 10 John Morant Mosaic base, base card? Which, I, I like how you edited yourself there because I have the refractor inside. The refractor's different. <laughs> I know, I know. Refractors are different. You were being kind, I get it. No, no. Refractors <laughs> no, no. I, I know, hold. I get it. Silvers and certain types. Right, like you're if, talking about, like... The base cards. Yeah, there's a huge variation of different types of cards for each player. And this is a perfect time to tease you and take a break, and we'll get back to it in the second half. Fantastic. You know what I think you guys would like? Cash. You know what else I think you would like? Sports. And I can combine those two things when I give you sweet picks on the Mike the Mush Sports Show. I consciously don't talk about sports a lot on the Link Podcast because I've branched off into my own other show, You can catch it on YouTube, subscribe, blah, 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 I'll tell you at the end. But I've got a deep background in sports. I worked at ESPN. I'm still working in the sports industry. I love it. All my friends always love it. We debate. We talk. I got hot takes. My nickname has been the mush for years because I have notoriously bad luck to the point where it's hilarious. So you can only imagine that when I'm spouting off for an hour about a given sports topic, that player will probably get hurt or do something totally weird and will be like, mushed it. He mushed it again. It makes things fun and keeps things lively, and it's a fun nickname. I like nicknames, and you can't give them to yourself, so this is the one I got. We do the show live on YouTube a couple times a week. Various topics, always with a gambling tilt, giving out picks, reviewing odds, props, parlays if you're into that. Big parlay guy. You want an example of what we would talk about? I don't know. What about the odds that Barry Bonds would have made the Hall of Fame? They were zero, and it's ridiculous, and Cooperstown is stupid, but don't get me started on that. I couldn't gamble on it. If I could have, I would have bet no. But you better believe I'm never bringing my kids to Cooperstown. you got to be kidding me. I mean, the best player of all time isn't even in there. Ridiculous. Also, I don't have kids. I want them someday, but it's a, it's a different ad. Point is, subscribe to Mike the Mush on YouTube. Hit the like, leave a comment, join the live chats. Fun stuff. And you got video on there. You just hear my sweet, sultry voice on here. Is that how you use that word? I don't know. But you can see me on there. 
Tell your mom, tell your friends, talk to your dog about it, you know how it goes. Just hit that noti bell. Mike the Mush. I'll see you there. We just did another probably 15 minutes without having the mics on. Mm -hmm. We can't help ourselves. But I turned it on quickly because I wanted to ask. We were talking about if you're doing this as a business compared to me, I, I... not to say I can't miss, I can miss, but I'm buying and holding because I think players are going to be good in 15 years. You're buying and selling because you think the value might go up in a week, which is a different thing, and I respect it. You naturally are going to miss more and hit more than I am. What does it feel like to be totally right, and what does it feel like to be totally wrong? Well, I'll start with the totally wrong first because that just sucks the soul out of you. Fernando Tatis Jr., perfect example of missing the boat when you had the opportunity. I was torn between getting him. I said I would get two, and I did Soto and Vlad, and I didn't get Tatis yet, but I might. Great choices. Yeah. Soto Soto is a 1A, in my opinion, like with Tatis. Like yeah, I think no he's underrated, one, yeah. There's no 1B, in my opinion, between those two guys. I had to have the Vlad 10, though. I just had to get Vlad's him. fantastic. Yeah. I love Vlad, too. He's the best player around. But just going back prior, Tatis Jr. Yeah. Because it was before everything, the, the card market exploded again. Right. This is 19 but like early 19. Yeah. Probably. Like yeah. this is before every, before pandemic, before everything. Right. Before grading all this madness. Tatis chrome refractors were selling for like $7. Chrome refractors. That's tops. insane. Yeah. If you think about it, like the silver refractors. You're talking rookie? Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. Like back in then because like he. Back that must then, be going for now a couple hundred at least. Easy. Yeah. Easy. And um, my cousin, Pat Mosca. Give him a little shout Pat out. Pat Mosca's your cousin? Yeah. This is the cousin you've been talking about the whole time? Yeah. Okay. He, well, he's one of them, but he's like, like him and my other cousin Johnny. and I didn't know that. My uh, my other cousin Angelo. But um, he told me, like, I don't want to say we're partners because we don't split anything. But like between us four, you know, we talk every day about cards. Like right. this is, I always say our lives. It's our team though. It is. Like we always say like we all eat. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like we all, like every time we find out something, we always share with each other. Sure. And years ago, Mr. Pat, he rode that wave of Tatis Jr. and he 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 preached it to the high heavens. Huh. Guys, just spend thirty bucks, get three of them. Right. Get four of them. It's gonna be worth it. Yeah. Just go, just go. And I bought like two. I was like, right. ah, screw it. I bought two bases for like four bucks. I mean, they both gem ten, so I'm excited, but still. Wow. Now those gem tens are selling for one eighty to two hundred. You wish you didn't get bases now. I wish I got the refractors. <laughs> I w- I would have paid forty dollars right now per refractor, and that's still a deal and a half. But he was he was he was preaching he was preaching that. So you missed the boat on that one. Yeah, yeah. T- Tatis Jr. was was my biggest miss, and another one that still sucks the soul out of me to this day. With Pat, we had an opportunity to buy. I think it was between nine to twelve PSA nine and ten Kevin Durant's white borders and black borders. Just like lot. Sure. A couple hundred bucks, and at that time when we first started, you know, we weren't spending hundreds of dollars. Right. You were trying to start slow and. Buy yeah. cheaper ones, flip them for more, see if you could profit on this thing. Now, Jesus, you go, you try to buy one KD, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, rookie. It's, it's disgusting. So we missed the boat. But on that same retrospect, when when you hit, it feels good. You feel like a genius. Yeah, you You're feel like, like I'm the king of the world. I could do this whenever I want. I'm a genius. This is gonna be. I'm listen to me. I know what I am saying <laughs> with yeah. this guy. Yeah, and, that's uh, how I. That's why I'm so intrigued by the sports thing. Because to the same point where Charizard can't tear his ACL, you know what else he can't do? He can't go win three MVPs in a row later no, in his career. And I'm learning, I'm still new to this, but I think what I like to do is just get guys that are either rookies now or were just rookies, maybe second year. Because the appreciation to me, 
in the player, not necessarily each individual card, although all of the cards for an individual player, I believe, will increase as that player gets better. Yes. All of those players have a year, I don't know when that year is, I have a theory, in which their biggest exponential growth will be. I think that year is their second year. I think you have through the second year to really get in on the ground floor of a player, unless they really pop off the page immediately. Like a Mahomes or something like that. Even him. Yeah. Rookie year, you didn't know Mahomes was a god. No. Second, third year, it was too late. Yeah. There's a fine line there. There is. And I think that line is only available to people who are diehard sports fans or are so gung-ho on the market that they can really run the numbers of value and see the increases. I'm not that way, but I am a crazy sports fan. And so I'm watching Evan Mobley play every night for the Cavaliers. And I'm saying to myself, this guy is a cross between Kevin Garnett and Chris Bosh, who, for people that don't care, are both Hall of Fame players. Absolutely. And I think he's on that trajectory. Do I know what's going to happen? Nobody knows. Oh, he can tear but, his ACL next, next, sure. next week. Knock on everything in the room. Knock on what is good guy. But I do believe that I think his value is higher than the perceived value of the market in general. And that, to me, is the only thing that matters. And I think that will catch up with itself when he's in his third year making multiple all-star teams and everyone already realizes he's good. And let me ask you a question. So now you have all refractors of Mobley's, which I've seen before. I have a couple, yeah. Beautiful cards. Thanks. Why wouldn't you now just, if you believe in Mobley, you could take the avenue of taking those base and refractors and turn that into a numbered auto. So, like, which avenue would you rather have? Would you rather have three base cards or would you rather have a Evan Mobley numbered auto out of 99? It's a great question. I don't know the answer to it because I'm so new that I didn't know this was a strategy until you were telling it to me on the podcast. So, you might be right. I would go the auto route. They're harder the to find. Harder to find. I guess that's the man what's is holding old. me back. It's... it's like you had prisms prism is arguably the Royce royce of cards right that's the one that you want sure but even if you have let's say if you have like the, that emergent it's a yeah. great insert it's a good rookie insert card yeah and especially that it's silver now you have a refractor of an insert which yeah. is beautiful it's good but if you have an opportunity to let's say now grab that silver and grab something else and get an auto and maybe another 30 bucks where you know that auto in the long term is going to be... Because that emergent... Because someone in 15 years can buy a pack of Prism and they can pull that same emergent card that that's I just have. been sitting there. Right, but they can't pull the one that you're talking about. They can't pull the one out of 50. Let's keep this going. Because I hear what you're saying. You know more than me. In no way am I no, trying no, to tell you you're perspective. wrong. It's not necessarily... No. But I, th this conversation is worth having that I think there's more to how the card looks, just the sheer prettiness of the card. Oh, yeah. Then people are giving it credit for in the market today, that argument included. Because I think if the one out of 50 Evan Mobley, or whoever the player is, is more plain looking, and if the card I have, you saw that rainbow one where he has the USC jersey, I saying. just bought that one because I said, this card looks cool. insane. And it's a 10. It's great, and I'm like, I just want to have this because in 30 years, I think people might look back to his 50 different rookie cards that he has, and they're going to rank them, and that's how they're going to make the value of these cards. Yeah. To your point, maybe yours is first on that list. Maybe the numbered ones are first on that list. They probably are. My argument, I guess, is mine might be second on that list because it looks cool, and if I'm getting it for less and they 
appreciate to a similar value. Oh, yeah. Is yours better? I don't know the answer. Depends what price did you get it in at? What did you get for it? What was the price of it? You know, like it, it, there's so many different that's, factors. That's getting down to the nitty gritty. I'm taking it even more simply than that. I have a John ja Morant card in there. He's a great basketball player. He's getting better. I believe in him. Phenomenal. And I think he's going to be a Hall of Fame player. That's yep. why I bought it. There are different versions of that card. One is base, like you keep saying, which isn't as pretty as the other ones. Some of them are refractor, which means they're shinier, like a holographic Pokemon card, if you relate to that more. And then there are reflector colors, which mine is orange. There are some pink. There are some green. There are a million different variations. That's why this becomes a little confusing to me, because... As of right now, if you look up the value of those cards, which is a million websites, you can do it. Yeah. Some will say that the green is worth more than the pink or whatever that order is. Yeah. Do you believe in that? Because my opinion is we don't know that now. We're only going to know that in 20 years when people think, oh, this one's cool. It this one's depends. cooler than the other one. So, for instance, the the green ones could be like a Target exclusive. Okay. The pink ones could be a Walmart exclusive, and then the blue ones... Is that one, generally how they go? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. And it all depends how many they ordered or the oh, so allocations. Oh, so it's Wow. Okay. And there's also now, like, Fanatics is a big deal. You know, they just bought everything. They bought Panini. They bought Tops. Now Fanatics are having their own exclusives with, with their own specific colors. Now, to go even a little bit deeper into that, it all depends on the player. And now it also depends on... so. Let me back up a little bit. I apologize. What I mean by this is Fanatics this year, for their Mosaic exclusive, they're doing green prisms. Okay. So the only way you can get a green prism is if you have purchased it through Fanatics. Right. Now, the first and second pick, last year was Anthony Edwards and Lamella. Yeah, I have a few in there. So the green prisms would benefit Anthony Edwards because it's a jersey match because it's a little bit green <laughs> with that jersey match. And okay. you'd be surprised. That's a real thing. That I believe you. That now, when you were saying before, there's pink, there's orange, there's blue, there's red, there's everything. Those are retail colors. Now, there's also those same colors, that same pink, that same red, that same green in hobby colors, and that's when you're gonna get the numbered versions. So you you can. What have, is the difference? Walk me through and the listeners the difference between the hobby version and the normal version. So you have retail. Which is, you know, your Target, you buy your Target, your Walmart. Sometimes you can I get bought lucky. a Target red card just to have for exclusive card sales. Me too. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, my exclusive red card, debit card for that reason to buy cards. Yeah, I actually made my mom give me one. So thanks, mom. You've helped me twice in this episode. MVP, you're the best. Yeah. But the whole idea of this retail aspect is you have two avenues that you can buy cards, three avenues in general. You have retail, which was the stores that we just said. Sure. And they have each individual retailer would have their own particular. So color. Target can only get pink refractors. Yes, in their mega boxes, in their blasters. Wow. Okay. Walmart will get the greens. Right. The rights to the green, and for their blasters, their megas. Interesting. Now it we don't know how many they've ordered, how many they produce. It could be the same. We, that part I don't know. Genius from the card companies, by the way. Fantastic. They're playing both sides of the ball. No but doubt. The, brilliant. Way to go. So you have that avenue. That is what 90% of the hobby does. Right. Then you have hobby shops, which is the mom and pop shops. It's people that get in contact with wholesalers. You know D'Angelo's That's sports? That's who I deal with. That's most where of my I bought business. my darts from. Yeah. You deal with them. Yeah. I know they have a ton of cards. I haven't I, even gone in there since I got into cards, but the point remains. He's Mike is a great guy. Nice guys. The he, whole family is very Mike nice. Mike D'Angelo's and Walter Avenue, just in case. Fantastic yeah. card shop. You know, he's an actual hobby shop. So the boxes that I get from him, 
or from any one of those type of shops. Are different than the Target, the Walmart, the absolutely, and they're smaller because there's fewer hobby shops Print than runs. there are. Okay, I see what you're saying. So now, like, if I buy a, a hobby box of let's say Mosaic, Mosaic, you know, seems to be the theme. If I buy a hobby box from D'Angelo's of Mosaic, I can get a numbered card. So part of what's helped me start this new adventure of mine was my brother and I bought two Mosaic hobby boxes from D'Angelo's. Right. One from D'Angelo's, one from ANS Sports. Okay. But I ended up getting a LeBron MVP wow. out of 99. And that was a big hit. That's a huge hit. You know, I got it graded. It was a 10. I valued it at two grand. Wow. Like that, because there's only 99 of them. Right. Like there's only, the market is only X amount. Like The number of cards isn't going to change. Ever. No, that's yeah. it. So, you know, we we did well because we hit that number card. But I would not be able to get that MVP numbered card if it wasn't for the hobby shop. Right. Because I wouldn't be able to pull that. I had no idea that that was a thing. I mean, you can still pull numbered variations out of retail. Don't get me wrong. You right. still can. But there's so many more retail shops that the likelihood of pulling one out of 100 cards that were printed is insane. Target's getting five cases every week. And they're moving. And they're moving. They're moving before they even get on the shelves. So this is a cool thing that I really am in live action, since I didn't know this before, appreciating about these card companies. Is that they are giving legitimate real-life value to mom-and-pop shops that the big market walmart's targets of the world can never achieve and that is cool as fuck because they don't have to do that but they realize that a it's in their own benefit to do it yep. because it props up the market in general and b you can be selfish and customer serving at the same time yeah. because you're helping people go to hobby shops instead of walmart for their cards which is unequivocally good for the world and you're supporting local business that's what i'm saying that's awesome it's a win-win situation whoever was in charge of coming up with that idea and bringing all these card companies together to say hey we should that had to be a conscious choice to say like we should prop up these hobby shops more by of giving course. them exclusive cards that's awesome man that's really cool but back to the look of the card versus the scarcity of the card. Because eventually, the scarcity of the card... Is huge. There's just, there's less of... If it's out of 99, out of 50, out of 25, that's it. Yeah. There's only 99 of them. But now, it's what those people that own those 99, what are, are they gonna doing? Are going to do with them? Right, right, of course. Are you going to keep it in your binder? Are you a kid? Are you an old person? Do you even know who this person is? Right. There's so many factors within that avenue that we still don't know. But at the end of the day, you're dealing with a set number compared to I hear you. unlimited. I just also think it's about perceived value, like we've been saying. 100%. And I think there's more value in what looks dope Look at John Moran. people are giving credit for. Look at John Moran Chronicles cards. So for those of you who don't know, NBA Chronicles is a lower-tiered card company. You know what I mean? Chronicles, you don't tend to see, like, oh, Chronicles is the one you're going to get. Back then, Chronicles printed a John Morant rookie card that had Young Dolph on it in oh. the background. Now, that rapper, I think, passed he away. Died, yeah, yeah, he passed away, unfortunately. And Oh, that makes it crazy, right? Look what happens to that price of that but card. But that's exactly what I'm saying, man. It's like, to me, all this shit about value currently is a fugazi. It's not, there's nothing that's telling us what's real or not. Because we don't know that Young Dolph no is going to get shot. Hypothetically, this is going to sound horrendous. John Moran tomorrow can rob a bank 
in theory, that, that might increase the value of the car. It could, honestly, <laughs> in this day, day and age. Honestly, in this day and age, it, really it could. Yeah, yeah, but I hear like, what you're saying. Though. In theory, there is nothing stopping this man. Henry Ruggs cards are not popular anymore. With you know how many, many of before. those guys I've had? Yeah, you know many, for Henry, people Henry that Ruggs? don't know, he got in a DUI, he killed somebody, he's off the radar, so he was a rookie, he was really good, blah, 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 yeah. whatever. Or even look at Andrew Luck. Right. He retires early. People thought Andrew he was Luck on was this trajectory. Phenom. Andrew Luck was the guy. That I acknowledge. Like, the player value is interesting to me because that's the game I'm willing to play. I'm willing to take those gambles. It's not about the player. To me, it's about the specific card variations. I think people are putting too much stock into... And I don't know this. I mean, this is just a theory. Of course. I think we're putting too much stock into what's popular now. And we don't know what's going to be popular in the long run. So if you're me and you're buying cards and I think the orange one looks cooler, but someone out there says the green one is worth $10 more right now, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, it's whatever you like. Because it's, yeah. But that's I, why I, I buy numbered. Uh, yeah, that makes sense because yours numbered. are more fixed. Yours are like, I know this you will have appreciate it. You could have a green one, a purple one, a blue one, a gray one. Who gives a shit? Who There's gives only a shit? so many. Why do I care? You could have as many as you want. But guess what? I know that your print run on your cards that are all colorful and beautiful. It can never catch yours. It's not going to even sniff. Or it's the unlikely. One, it's not going to sniff the one that I have that's out of 99. Because regardless if it's a color that you don't like, guess what? There's only 98 other ones. Show me another one. That's I can go in the same show and I can find whatever refractor that you show me. I could find whatever base. But you can't get yours. But you're not going to get number 67 out of number 99. That matters. One. That matters for sure. It's just the, the argument of... What price are you going to get it at? That... And it only matters if people want that card. Yeah. If or people if the look good. at the card and there's 50 of them, but they look like dog shit and nobody cares, then guess what? They're not worth anything. Of course. But like for, for perfect example, like you have two grand. Yeah. Would you rather have two PSA 10 Luka Doncic Prism base rookie cards? Right. Or would you rather have a Luka select out of 149 die cut card? Me personally, I'd rather for both two thousand dollars. I don't know if the I don't know. I'm not saying those are the prices. Right. I'm just saying for our argument sakes, if they're both two thousand dollars and they're both the same player, you would rather. I'm choosing the select. Even even if I know Prism is a better brand, I know that there's only still one. This is what fascinates me about the market is that I think I'm not saying you're wrong. I have no clue. I don't think either of us have a. Clue. No, no, it's different. It's different avenues. I think there's an argument to be made for both. Yeah, which I think also makes the whole market be more of a craze. Yeah. These card companies know what they're doing. Yeah. They release multiple variations of this. Does it get more confusing? Is it frustrating for me to try to figure out which one is more valuable? Yes. But guess what but we're doing? We're talking about it. We're still trying to figure it out. Like we're which... trying to figure it out. We're buying more because of it. Yep. They know exactly what they're doing. They're just becomes this learning curve to it which admittedly isn't that big i spent a couple days figuring it out and people are here like i don't know what base means and prism means and whatever but if you googled it for five minutes i assure you you would figure it out i wonder how that will age right like is there an argument to be made for just get your hands on whatever players you think will be good in the long term and it doesn't matter if they're a certain style like a 10 is guaranteed to appreciate more than a nine of course. Whereas the numbered version, even if you're 99% right against what I'm saying, it's not a guarantee like a 10 versus a 9 is. But you've told me before that you think the numbers for 9s are wildly low. I think they're criminally low. PSA 9s in general are, I don't care what card it is, but the biggest example of just insanity between a PSA 10 and PSA 9. Remember Sports Illustrated for kids when yeah. we were younger? Yeah, yeah. They always used to have, they still do to this day. They had like a, a sheet of cards in between. Yes. And you had to rip it, 
And depending how good you ripped it or how thorough you were. Yeah, those are like paper cards. I wonder if they're better now. Some of them are very expensive. Wow. So one of them in particular, there was a Kobe Bryant, I think it was like a 97 or a 98 SI Kids card. I think the PSA 10 just sold for like 30K. There's only one. Because of the rarity, there's not only, because of the one. value of the card. Although, then again, it's a PSA 10, so you you have to have both. There's only there's only a singular PSA 10. That there's 135 crazy. in the population in the wild. Huh. There's only one 10. How much does a PSA 9 sell for if the PSA 10 sold for 30k on auction? Same auction, same distributor, same everything. I mean, less than half, much less than half. Less than 450 dollars. Yeah, that I was mean, a PSA the, 9. The exponentiality—that's not a word, but it should be. Should be. I agree with you. It could be a word. It could. Right is is insane when you go to 9 to 10. From 6 to 7, it's a jump. 7 to 8, it's a bigger jump. 8 to 9, it's a huge jump. 9 to 10 is just totally Astronomical. ridiculous. Yeah, But I acknowledge what you're saying for your perspective because you're selling day to day. So you see value in the 9 because you're like, well, this is still valuable and people are treating it like crap because it's I buy 9s. That makes sense. But you buy them to sell them, I assume. Yeah. Would you be doing the same thing if you were me that were no. not do- you would buy tens what to you keep? Do- what you're doing right now is absolutely brilliant because you're you're buying what you're believing. I walked you into trying to compliment me, which feels nice. You should, <laughs> but it, it's I'm not just, but it is true because you're buying <laughs> the players that you believe, but you're not even just buying bases because that job that you have is an orange refractor. You're right. You're I acknowledged buying- at some point there's still some value to the card itself, not just the player. Yeah, yeah. Because now you have to understand that yeah, the player matters. But the card brand matters, and what type of card it is matters too. Yeah. Like, is it going to be a base? Is it going to be a refractor? What color refractor is it going to be? Is it going to be a team color refractor? Whatever. I'm blown away that you think, and I not to say you think, that there is a real value of whether the color of the card matches the jersey color that they're wearing at the time. 10 out of 10 times, find me any player, their color refractor, like if it matches their jersey that they're it's wearing on the card. Right. There's a Mosaic Edwards that he's wearing a white jersey, so the green prism doesn't work with that. Right. Lamello has a beautiful refractor, and it matches perfect with the teal of the Hornets. That That's what you want. That gives credence to what I'm saying. Is like... Like, that's going to be worth more than the orange, but that won't be worth as much as the numbered. That's fair. And the, you think that can never change. You think that will always be worth more than the next of its kind, the next of its For basketball, kind. yes. You think always. My only argument is we don't know what everyone's going to like in 40 years. I just think it's interesting to talk about whether we know what's popular now. I just saw an interesting, the All-Star game just passed, the NBA mm-hmm. All-Star game. And I saw an interesting thing from 20 years ago. They did pictures of what the All-Stars were dressed like going to the press conferences. And it was funny because it was like everybody in baggy Jenko jeans, yeah. long short sleeve dress shirts that were super baggy. Like Quentin Richardson was wearing a sweatsuit and it was fine. Like it, everyone thought this was dope. And now you look at them and it's all very tight cut suits with short pants and very prim and proper and whatever that's all i'm saying is that the styles change and we it's i think trying to zoom out from this that it's too hard to try to figure out what is valuable now versus what is going to be valuable in the future and so to me buy the ones that are probably cheaper now that you think look dope yeah that Maybe we'll, Maybe you'll be right. Maybe you'll be wrong. But either way, you're getting good value on it now. As long as you're getting good value. I think it's worth a shot. Yeah. I 100% agree with that statement. At the end of the day, we're all collectors. You know, like, yeah, of course, we all want to make money. We all want to survive. We want to do the best we can. But 
I wouldn't be investing time. Like time is the biggest thing out of everything. Definitely. So I wouldn't be investing my time into looking at these cardboard cards if I didn't enjoy it. If I didn't enjoy the actual card. Yeah, me too. Or if I didn't enjoy the player or what that player can do at that given platform. It's like an appreciation of what oh, that yeah. person can do because they're they are they're super athletes. They do things that we wish we can do on a daily basis. That's what draws me into it is that there's the other aspect of it that's removed entirely from cards is that I can value what this person is to the world. Yeah. You always want to collect the people that you believe in. And like these guys I enjoy, but I I haven't gotten a card yet where it's like, okay, I believe in this guy so much that I can put him in a bin for 20 years. I haven't found that person yet. There's it's candidates. It's funny because that's where I'm at with all of my cards. And that's probably this weird delusion that I have that I think I know more about the players than other people do. But that's the way I'm feeling about everything that I buy is that if I'm buying this player, I'm buying into their career. And I'm viewing this as in 20 years, I'm either going to have a massive failure or a massive hit. And if I have a couple of massive hits, it probably makes up for the other massive failures. And the fun thing about it is all this shit could change a year from now. Mm -hmm. We could do another episode of this and we can be like, wow, UFC has become so popular that we got to keep all the UFC cards. And baseball has become so shitty now because they haven't played in two years that yeah. no one even cares anymore. It's it, All of this has some level of you need to think you know better than the rest of the world, which I find wave. really interesting. You have to be on the wave. Yeah. MetaZoo. Have you heard of that before? No. MetaZoo is another card company that just is coming out. Huge hype on it. It's like a Magic the Gathering type of card game, but people are starting it's to It's a whole new game. Whole nother avenue. So people want to get it on the ground floor because they're like, oh, if this is the next thing, we got to get the first editions of whatever the fuck. So I've been getting boxes of MetaZoo. First Isn't edition. that so funny? Because like, we could come up here on the podcast with a new card game and then just market to people like, you better get in on the ground floor. And if your marketing is good enough, it actually doesn't matter if the thing is valuable or not. You could be one of those flash-in-the-pan super successes. 100%. They have people fighting right now. Because you can actually hit in the beginning of your business, which is a weird thing. Just Normally, it takes forever. But with cards, the first editions and the originals and the rookies and the scarce ones and all this stuff, which all comes together is so much more interesting than the ones from down the road. That's why you can swing big and hit and swing big and miss because you have to get in on the ground floor and you don't know what that ground floor is going to build to. You don't know when that ground floor is going to give out. Right. Like, oh man, if I'm spending $800 on a hobby box, am I underbuying? Am I overpaying? Like, if I'm underbuying, should I have gotten two? There's some level of like, do whatever you think is right right now. Yeah. Because there's no knowing until way later. There's no set standard in saying, like, hey, you do this, you're going to be successful. You do this, and, oh, you're guaranteed to get X amount. It's like any the stock player, market. Yeah, you have to believe can... in what you're doing, yeah. and you just got to follow it through for a while and see how it plays out. Like bomb. If I like bomb hits, I won't have to work. Because <laughs> I've been buying some ridiculous bomb cards. You're just big on them. I'm huge. Huge on Alec Bomb. I'm a Met fan. I hate the Phillies. I loathe the Phillies. And I'm sorry if you're from Pennsylvania or listening from this. But honestly... The Phillies are just awful. <laughs> yeah, no God awful, God awful name, disgusting jerseys, <laughs> beautiful ballpark, but just terrible organization. Fair enough. It's all very interesting. I'm glad we talked about it. Yeah. I'm really intrigued to listen to this in a year and see, see how where, smart yeah. or dumb we feel. <laughs> it's true. I mean, <laughs> but, like, but that's changes. the beauty of the thing. It's like it moves so fast that if you want in, it's an exciting world to get a piece of. So if you're already a piece of it, hit us up at the link underscore podcast. I'll put some pictures of the cards that we have and uh 
thanks for coming on, dude. This I appreciate fun. this. This was awesome. Was Absolutely good fantastic. Good luck ripping, everybody. Yeah. Good app, fun conversation, pretty nerdy, but a good investment opportunity. Really something I'm going to keep an eye on and I'm into. If you like sports, you'll probably be into it too. If you're into other kind of trading cards, it might be worth a shot. And if nothing else, keep your eye on it. You never know where the digital world is moving. If you've been listening and you listen to the outros, which you should, I've been doing recommendations in a lot of the outros. So since we were talking cards, I want to talk about something else that doesn't go out of style and is also sports adjacent, but was not nominated for the Academy Awards, which by the way, there's a double episode on the Oscars in general coming soon, and I am churning through every nominated movie currently, trying to get there. But the recommendation is Rocky IV, Rocky vs. Drago, The Ultimate Director's Cut. Which, full disclosure, I have not yet watched, but it is high atop my non-Oscars movie list, and I can't believe it flew so far under the radar. You can watch it on Amazon Prime, I think it's in multiple spots. And honestly, I just adore Rocky. Rocky's the best film franchise ever made. I said it, no jokes. I said it. I stand by it. I also do hate this remake era that we're in, and all the reboots and all the differently edited versions of everything. Like, write a new story. How hard is it? You don't even have to do that. You can come up with a different spin on the same story. The Magnificent Seven is a Western spin on the Seven Samurai. Not the same thing, but it's the same thing. But that passes. It's not a straight remake. Have some level of creativity. Anyway, this one had an interesting backstory because Stallone had his legs chopped out from him in the original editing process, apparently. And he had to cut out like a half hour of content because the studio was afraid that it wouldn't compete with other films coming out at the time. And they thought they knew the perfect runtime and this and that. And the movie didn't end up being what he wanted it to be. I still think it's a legendary movie, Rocky Ford. Great. I mean, Rocky ends the Cold War. But another interesting thing about this is that he found a way to make this just 90 minutes. So by just changing scenes rather than totally adding more, which is usually the sad excuse for a director's cut these days, four more hours, nine more hours, watch everything. We're not going to edit. This does the editing for you, but just changes the scenes around so it makes more narrative sense. I can appreciate that. I think this is done the right way. I'm intrigued. Like I said, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm going to. And if you're interested in watching it, then let me know what you think. I'll let you know what I think. We talk about it. We, you know, take it to at the link underscore podcast and then tell all your friends about the conversation we had that they should watch Rocky and then listen to the link. I'm not so arrogant that I'm going to put myself above Rocky. I can't do it. I want to. Won't do it. Either way, only one thing left to do before we wrap up. That's the secret code word for the people that listened all the way through the end of the episode, through the outro, through the Rocky stuff. Heard James Brown singing in their head from Rocky 4. Tough scene. Great scene followed by a tough scene. So what do we choose for the secret code word that you can post at the link underscore podcast on the comments section of the episode promo picture? Gotta be something that ties sports and Rocky together? Oh, I got one. And I apologize for not saying goodbye, but I gotta leave you with the secret code word, which is cliffhanger. Cliffhanger.